when the dunamis isn't convenient. And so I looked up, what's that word convenient really mean? And the first definition I saw was this, fitting in well with a person's needs, activities, and plans. Now, I'm going to just be real. I like to be organized. I don't like a mess, okay? I like a message. A massage is okay, but a mess, no good. I don't like a mess. I like things to be planned out and organized. I like order. God is a God of order. But at the same time, I realize that God can speak into chaos and bring order. And sometimes I have to realize that in that chaos and in the times that where, where activities aren't happening the way I want them to, that God could be using that to per- perfect my character. And so I looked on, I wanted a, a, a more of a definition. So Merriam-Webster's simple definition, I love how it has simple definition now, says these three things. Allowing you to do something easily or without trouble. That's convenient. Convenient is located in a place that is nearby and easy to get to. Convenient is giving you a reason to do something that you want to. See, that's convenient. But what about when the Holy Spirit doesn't fit into our plans? What about when the Holy Spirit doesn't, doesn't get us out of trouble? What about when the power of the Holy Spirit isn't easy to get to? Or when the Holy Spirit doesn't make things easy for us? Come on, friends. We have to understand that God's power is still there, even when things don't go according to what we think they should do. And so Paul's at his first trial, okay, a falsely accused by his own countrymen and sent uh to trial and he stands before a man named Felix in chapter 24. Paul had already testified before Felix of the false accusations that were against him, accused by the high priests and the elders for stirring up trouble in the synagogues and among the people. Well, several days at this time had passed by and Felix, along with his wife, Drusilla, had sent for the apostle Paul to hear him concerning the faith. In other words, they called for Paul and Paul preached to them the message of the gospel. And friends, it brought deep conviction to the man Felix's heart. However, this is how he responded in Acts 24, 25. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Can we just pause there for a minute? The gospel sounds a little different when Paul preached it compared to what we hear today. What did he talk about? This is the gospel that he preached. And he talked about righteousness, self-control, and what? Judgment to come. Mm. I'm going to just wait a minute and let that sink in. Some of y'all, y'all getting that? Light bulb's going off? Hmm, okay. Moving on. Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it, what? Convenient. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Wow. See, Felix's heart began to melt when he heard about righteousness and self-control and judgment to come. One, because, well, he was living in sin. If you go back and and know the history of and even read read the Bible here, you, you can find out that Felix was married to another man's wife. And really, his actual name means pleasure. Isn't that interesting? His passions were unrestrained. And when he heard about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come, there brought conviction. But because it made him feel uncomfortable and because it wasn't convenient at the time, he sent Paul away. 
I've had teenagers tell me over the years, Pastor Joy, I'm going to get saved when I become an adult. Right now, I'm going to college. Right now, I'm in high school, and I just want to party. I just want to have fun. I'm going to, I'm going to give my heart to the Lord after I do all these things first. I've literally had people over the years tell me that. Basically, what they're saying is, when it's more convenient for me, I will receive the gospel. When it's more convenient for me in my life circumstances, I'll get right. How about this one? Since the gospel is preaching righteousness, self-control, and the kingdom, and judgment, right? Since that's what Paul preached, what about this one? When I speak to someone who's living together with someone who's not their husband, and I say, if you want to be right with God, we need to make sure that we're not living in sin. And they say, well, I must serve God when it's more convenient for me. Because right now this is easier. It's better for our finances. Friends, those are just two examples, but there's so many examples that we have in our life that we tell the Holy Spirit, come back when it's convenient. When the Holy Spirit whispers to us and say, hey, I know you're at the supermarket right now. I know you're at Walmart. You're just trying to get food for your, for your family right now, but do you see that person up the aisle? Can you go talk to them about Jesus? Come back, Holy Spirit, when it's more convenient for me. I'm kind of busy right now. Come on, friends. We can, we, can go, we can go into example after example, but we do this. And when we do this, we grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When we watch movies that are filled with profanity and nudity, and the Holy Spirit comes to us and says, you know what, we should probably turn this off. And we say, but Holy Spirit, we only got 20 minutes left. Come back when it's more convenient. Come on, friends. Dunamis power does not only come in times of convenience for us. Felix grieved the Holy Spirit because the gospel was presented to him in an inconvenient time in his life. He loved sin more than the Spirit of God. And we also grieve the Holy Spirit of God when we love sin more than him. I told you guys that it's not a massage today, it's a message. Warned you. So we grieve the Holy Spirit When we say, come back when it's more convenient, we also grieve the Holy Spirit when we are a coward. When we are a coward. See, when I first got this message together, you might notice in your talking over notes, but that doesn't make sense because you have something else written here. Yeah, that's because I made my talking over notes on Thursday and then God twisted it up on me last night. So I just changed it up for you guys because the Holy Spirit told me, you're trying to say it too nice. Say it how it is. It's not just having a lack of courage. It's being a coward. Ooh. I'm telling you guys, I'm just, I'm just a messenger. It comes to me first. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I'm a nice person. I'm a people person. I was a man pleaser before Jesus. Let me tell you, I don't like people being upset with me. I saw, man, almost every time I preach, I have to go home like, oh, was I too harsh here? Did I say this wrong? Oh, I hope this person, oh, I saw that person. I, I go through that. And I had to fight it because I say to myself what Paul says in the scriptures. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. The church is full of a lot of cowards nowadays. Too afraid to share the gospel because someone might reject us. Like I tell my children, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. See, the Bible says in Revelations 21, 8... The cowardly will not inherit 
the kingdom of God. See, we want to talk about the homosexual will not inherit the kingdom of God and the sexual immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's true. The scripture says that too. But how many messages have you heard about the cowardly would not inherit the kingdom of God? <laughs> I remember hearing one when Pastor Joshua preached it. Oh, that was a good message, baby. I'm borrowing a couple parts. The cowardly will not inherit the kingdom of God. See, Festus was a man pleaser and he was the next person that Paul stood before. First it was Felix and now it's Festus and he was a man pleaser and he wanted to do a favor for the Jews by keeping Paul in prison versus doing the right thing. He was a coward. See, Festus knew, he, he stood before, he, Paul stood before him and he knew something was off. He knew that this man was being accused of some whack charges, right? Some trumped up charges, right? He knew, uh, did I say, that's not what I meant. Y'all know what I mean. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Festus was a man pleaser and it kept him from being a man of God. It kept him being a coward. Acts 25, 14 through 20 shows the lack of courage this man really had. It says, there was a man here whom Felix left as prisoner. And this is Festus speaking. When I went to Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews brought these charges against him and asked him that he might be condemned. I told them that it is not the Roman custom to have, hand over anyone before they have faced their accusers and have the opportunity to defend themselves against the charges. When they came here with me, I did not delay the case, but convened the court the next day and ordered the man to be brought in. When his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any crimes I had expected. See, he's already known something's wrong here. Instead, they had some point of dispute with him of their own religion about a dead man named Jesus who Paul claimed was alive. I was at a loss how to investigate such matters, so I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there on the charges. Right there, he was at a loss. You know what that means? It means he was still lost even when Paul proclaimed the gospel that Jesus is not dead, that he is alive, that he's a risen Savior. But Festus didn't understand that. He was at a loss because he was a man pleaser and he wanted to please the Jews who brought, uh, he wanted to do a favor to them. You can read that in the scriptures. So Festus was a coward because he feared man more than God. He missed his opportunity for salvation. How many people miss their opportunity for salvation because they want to please people more than pleasing God? Forgive us, Lord. Being a Christian was not popular in the book of Acts. People got killed for their faith. However, the church grew anyway. Being a follower of Christ today is not popular either. It takes courage. It takes courage to be a Christian. There's no room for cowardliness because it grieves the Holy Spirit. So how about you? Where where are some times in your life that you know that you've acted like a coward when it comes to the things of God? Ask the Lord to forgive you. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, amen? We don't want to tell the Holy Spirit, come back at a convenient time and grieve him. We don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit by being a coward and not doing what he's called us to do. And finally, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit when we do not listen to conviction. So first, Paul stood before Felix, who wanted him to come back at a more convenient time. Then before Festus, who was a man pleaser and a coward. 
And then he stands finally before King Agrippa, who didn't listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we don't listen to the conviction. See, the last leader, King Agrippa, in Acts 26, he could see that Agrippa had a decent knowledge. Paul knew that he had a decent knowledge of the scriptures and religion of the Jews. Paul tells him that he would gladly tell the high-platform politician his testimony. Paul proceeds to tell Agrippa how he personally met the Lord on the road to Damascus. He shared his personal testimony with him. He then tells Agrippa that Christ was supposed to suffer and die and that he would be the first that would rise from the dead. Again, Paul presented a risen Lord and Savior for all mankind, including the Gentiles. Paul then asked Agrippa this powerful question that at one time you were asked. If not, we'll ask you today. Do you believe? Paul asked King Agrippa, do you believe? And this is what King Agrippa says in verse 28. Do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? He did not listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Paul saw, he saw the conviction. I believe he saw, he, he shared his, his testimony. He, he shared the clear presentation of the gospel. And he could see that the Holy Spirit was moving on King Agrippa's heart. And he looks at him and says, do you believe And you know that that question shot right in his heart. And he says, you think you can persuade me in such a short time to be a Christian? Miss this opportunity, friends. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we ignore the convictions of God. How many times do we ignore the convictions of the Holy Spirit when we want to do what we want to do anyway? Instead of grieving the Holy Spirit like the leaders that Paul stood before We need to commit to please the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on us and brings conviction to us, we need to be obedient to that. Because conviction is for your good. The Holy Spirit does not condemn, but he does convict. And when you feel convicted of sin, we need to learn what true repentance is, and that is a change of heart, mind, and direction, friends. That's where King Agrippa missed it. And that's where Felix missed it. And that's where Festus missed it. And friends, let that not be where we miss it at. Instead of grieving the Holy Spirit, let's commit to pleasing the Holy Spirit. Amen? We've talked about grieving the Holy Spirit. Now I want to talk about pleasing the Holy Spirit because I want us to please God. I want God to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want him to look at me and say, good job, baby girl. See, that's what he calls me in my, in my private time with him. Good job, baby girl. You did it. I know you were afraid, but you pushed past and you did it. You spoke what I told you to speak. You even changed the message up last minute and gave the word I gave you. You did it. Thank you, daddy. Right? I want to please the Holy Spirit. I want to please my Father, which means I have to listen to the Holy Spirit. So three ways to please the Holy Spirit. Number one, we need to be willing to go and to stay the course. We need to be willing to stay the course. They stay the course. See, Paul was warned by a prophet, Agabus, Not to go to Jerusalem because he would be thrown into jail and go to court and be handed over to the Gentiles. Matter of fact, 
the prophet kind of displayed this word from God in a very dramatic way. The people, this is before Paul went to court in Acts 24, 25, and 26, right? And he's, he's with other believers in Ephesus, I believe. And Agabus comes and he says, do not go to Jerusalem because if you do, you're going to be handed over. And then he takes his belt off of his waist and he takes the belt and he literally ties Paul up with the belt. Talk about drama, right? He was getting his point across. I love preachers like that. Like the born ones, all in the monotone voices, man. I can't handle that. Give me some drama. Give me some illustrations. Let your voice go, you know, fluctuate so I can stay awake. Well, he was not a boring preacher. He took his belt off, tied it up and said, coming over to us. He took the Paul's belt. Oh no, it wasn't in his. I messed that up. It was Paul's belt. That's even crazier, right? That's it. He took Paul's belt. Tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Now, one might ask, if the Holy Spirit warned Paul, why did Paul do it anyway? One might ask that. I believe Paul did it anyway because Paul knew God was saying to still go even though there would be trouble, even though there would be persecution, even though there would be hardship. Man, sometimes the Holy Spirit tells us to do something and people don't like it. I'm in a situation right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me about something that is not popular and I'm not sharing it with everybody. It's something that I'm still kind of weighing out and praying the Holy Spirit to just bring clarity to me. But Far be it from me to teach others to obey the Holy Spirit and I not obey the Holy Spirit in my own life. He knew, even though the Holy Spirit warned him and shared that this is going to happen, he also had prior experiences with the Holy Spirit and knew that this was what God had called him to do. So he stayed the course. How many of us get off the course as soon as something hard happens? I'm serving Jesus until I have trouble in my marriage. Oh, I thought there was a man of God. This is what I got to go put up with? Oh, forget it now. I'm serving Jesus until finances are messed up, and then I'm just like, forget it. I'm going to handle this myself. I'm serving Jesus until there's a diagnosis that I get that I don't want to have, and, and now there's sickness in my household, and I'm like, what's going on? I'm serving Jesus until something in my life doesn't go according to plan. And it's so easy to get off course. <laughs> Paul stayed the course. And you know one reason I believe he stayed the course is because he knew his calling. When he got saved in Acts chapter 9, you can read about it. And he was on the road to Damascus to do what? To persecute Christians. And Jesus showed up in a vision. Some believe he showed up straight up in the flesh. I don't know. I wasn't there. But he showed up and there was a big bright light. And Paul literally fell off his donkey and was blinded for three days, I believe. And he had to go into a, a house on Straight Street. Found that interesting. And and then God sent another prophet, Ananias. And he says this in Acts 9, 15 through 16 to Ananias. He said, but go. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. First of all, Ananias didn't want to go because Ananias, Paul had a reputation. This man kills Christians. How do you know he's not faking? How do you know he's not setting up a trap to kill Christians? But Ananias had to be obedient and go to the house on Straight Street where Paul was. And so he went. And and then God says this. He says, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings. 
Huh. What was part of Paul's calling? To proclaim his name, the name of God, to the Gentiles and to their kings. We just named three Gentile judges that he stood before, right? Felix, Festus, King Agrippa. Interesting. And it goes on, it says, and to the people of Israel, and then in verse 16, I will show him how much he must suffer for my sake. Paul, remember that. You're going to remember that. You're going to remember when you were blind for three days. He was, he saw God and was literally blind for three days. For three days. And then the man of God came, pushed past his own fears, his own insecurities, and came to Paul and prayed for Paul. And Paul was able to see and he spoke to him. You are called by God to stand before Gentile rulers and kings and to suffer for my name. Best believe Paul did not forget that. And so later on, after he's already planted churches and he's done his missionary journeys and a man, another prophet, Agabus, came to him and didn't give a false word, gave a right word and said, you're going to be tied up in chains going to Jerusalem. Paul said, I know. But don't cry for me, brothers. Don't feel bad for me because this is my calling. He stayed the course. But when we get off just a little bit. We go around other people that make us feel better and say, oh, it's okay. God understands that you're not happy in your marriage. What about staying the course? It's okay. God understands you had to sell just a little bit because you couldn't pay your bills and so you did something illegal that wasn't pleasing to God. God understands. We want to we wanna counsel people out of the convictions of God. Friends, we, God is looking for a people that will stay the course, that will not care what other people think, that would preach the gospel in power and in truth. Even when they're persecuted, even when they're made fun of. I don't know where we stand in this country right now with the election. I'm not happy with either choices. And I'm not going to sit up here and tell you who to vote for or who not to vote for. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is moving in his church today to get his people ready. Because persecution is coming to this nation. If we believe what the Bible says, that in the last days there's going to be many troubles, we've got to get ready because if we we get off course because our bills aren't getting paid or because we're upset in our marriage, friends, what are we going to do if we have to be like Paul one day and stand before judges and kings? Let's not love this life here on earth that we're so much so that we're, we don't realize that we're just passing through. I want to give my kids a good life. I want them to feel have a blessed childhood. Let me tell you, I worked my butt off like a party planner event coordinator for my daughter's birthday to give her the best birthday party ever. I felt like mom of the year. But I don't want to have my children have such an awesome life that when bad things happen to them, they do not know how to endure trials. We've got to teach them. you got to love anyway. I remember one time Julie came to me and she said, um, I was talking to her about 
how she had to love on people and not just stay with just one group of friends, but be nice to everybody. And she's telling me how, um, you know, this, this group of of kids were, were kind of being nasty to her. And I said, Jubilee, I said, it's more important than being cute and having cute clothes and your hair done. You know, mommy loves all that and you will love all that. It's who, it's who we are. It's okay. More important than that is having a good heart and going out of your way to be nice to people. I'm like, even when people treat you wrong, be nice anyway. Be kind anyway because it shows them God. Anyway, friends, even when things don't go according to the, the way that you think that they should, even when the enemy tries to get you off course because best believe he will try to get you off course. He's going to throw things your way. He's going to throw hardships in your marriage and your finances and your children with your family, with your church, even with brothers and sisters in the Lord. He's going to throw hardships your way. There's going to be disagreement. There's going to be dissension. There's going to be all kinds of things that we're going to do. Life is messy. But you stay the course anyway. When you give your heart to Jesus, you are no longer your own. You belong to him. And we've got to stay the course. We've got to get a made-up mind in the church. I love getting around Sister Juanita. She would say, oh, I had to get a made-up mind. And she's still serving the Lord today, even though she's going through what the Bible says, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. She's, she's aging and going through some stuff. Some of you guys need to send her a car, maybe stop over her house and pray for her. And it's hard. But she has a made-up mind that we're passing through. We're aliens and strangers in this place, and we're passing through. And one day, we're going to receive a new body, and we're going to be with the Lord if we endure hardship, if we stay, if, if until the end, those who endure to the end are saved, friends. It's, that means staying the course, doesn't it? If God has called you to be a stay-at-home, do it well. Stay-at-home mom, do it well. If God has called you to be a teacher, do it well. If God has called you to be a computer programmer, do it all well. But no matter what you do, if it's working in a factory or being a CEO of a business, no matter what you do, you do it unto the Lord. Stay the course, friends. Another way to please the Holy Spirit is to be courageous. Don't be a coward. Be courageous. Lisa Bavera says, stop praying scared prayers and start praying scary prayers. <laughs> the Lord spoke this to me when we had to make a decision for our uh, finances and for, for re- reasons we didn't even completely fully understand at the time to pull Joshua um, out of the private school that he has been at since he was in pre-K. And now, you know, at that time he was in sixth grade for the last 10 weeks and to send him to the local public school in the neighborhood. And for those of you who don't know, we live right here in the South end. And so, um, me being a third generation South end girl myself had firsthand experiences of what the schools, uh, can throw at you. And I had fears. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, my skinny little white boy. Is he going to get beat up? I thought those things because it happened to pastor Josh when he was a skinny little white boy. So I thought could it happen to my husband too? <laughs> no, <laughs> We endured hardship. (laughs) I just got dissed by my husband. That's okay. I'm just being real. I had all these fears go through my head. And I was afraid to send him to school. And I went to, I went to people I respect. I even went to my aunt who I thought would talk me out of sending him to the school. She lives in Waterville. And even though she grew up in the South End, I mean, she is straight suburbia. And I thought for sure she would tell me. Yeah, man, I don't know. Come on, we'll make a way. Let's, let's, let's get, let's start a GoFundMe uh, account. We're, we're gonna get, we're gonna get him paid for. Let's, let's, I mean, I, I thought she, and she said, you know what? God's with Joshua. He's gonna be just fine. And I said, huh. So then, 
I go to the Lord and I'm in prayer and I can't sleep. And listen, y'all, I make people mad. My husband's like, how many hours of sleep did you get? I'm like, I don't know, about eight, nine. He's like, ugh. I make people mad because I sleep. I mean, the Bible says, man, God grants sleep to those he loves, something like that. I don't know. I'm probably misquoting it. But he, I, like, I like my sleep, right? I sleep good. He gives his beloved rest. Uh, yeah, see? Yeah, he does. I like my sleep. I could not sleep, y'all. I mean, I could not sleep. I'm waking up in the middle of the night. I'm all full of anxiety. I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm about to send my baby to Babylon. How is he going to be prepared? I mean, seriously, I was like all kinds of messed up about it, right? So <clears throat> in the middle of the night, I'm waking up, and I'm like, I'm, in, I'm like hard, having a hard time breathing. I mean, it, it had me bound up. I was so afraid. And I said, God, I said, you, I got to go like new believer style on you. I'm like, I'm about to open my Bible and I'm just going to like open it wherever it lands, point my finger. You got to, that, that's got to be for me. Speak to me. How many of y'all did that? That's the way new believers were either word. There's better ways, but sometimes we got to go new believer style. And so that's why I said, I'm going to just, I'm going to open my Bible wherever it lands. Let it speak to me. And then I wake up. Oh God, my Bible's all the way downstairs next to, to, to the prayer chair. So we're going to have to do this new, new generation, new believer style. And I'm going to open my U version. And whatever scripture it lands on, let it speak to me, Lord. And it says, do not be afraid. I've adopted you as sons. I'm like, oh, God, you're speaking to me, aren't you? And I go back to sleep. And I'm like, God. And I wake up, and that fear is right there again. And I hardly believe. I'm breathe. I'm like, oh. Okay, God, I know what Aunt Margaret said, even my parents. I know, I know what you're speaking. I know this is going to be the best thing for our finances. I know you just showed me this scripture, but is that just for me not to be afraid? Or does that mean like Shua's not supposed to be, like Shua's supposed to do this too? Because like if we could have a freaky, and I'm just talking to God, like if we can have like a freaky Friday moment, like in the movies and we could switch, God, I want the whole school for you, Jesus, if you could send me and not him. Like, what are we supposed to do here? And I'm having this, and I'm still, I'm like, God, I know my Bible's all the way downstairs and I only got my phone with the U version and I just did this, but one more time, Lord, I'm going to open you version and wherever it lands, let it speak to me. And he's like, everywhere you set your foot, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, okay, God, I might be some dumb, but I'm not plumb dumb. I'm taking your word and we're going to send him and I'm not going to pray scary prayers anymore. I'm going to start praying scriptures over this boy and I'm going to pray faith over him and I probably drove him nuts. He was half sleeping on huh, Joshua and wake up in the morning. I'm like, come on son, it's time to put the full armor of God on. One day he even did Transformer theme music for me. He was like, whatever. I'm not very good at sound effects. But he was great at it. He was doing, I'm like, yeah, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the you know, shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the bread, you know, belt of truth, shoes of peace. We're taking Marshall for Jesus. I mean, I had, I, I'm telling you. And guess what? He didn't get beat up. <laughs> Matter of fact, he brought his Bible. He shared Jesus with people. One time he was reading his Bible. And uh, he, he, I had, I said, sure. I said, we always teach our kids at church, bring their Bible to school. For you, it's no big deal. You've gone to a Christian school your whole life. We got Bible study there. But this time, it's going to mean something when you bring your Bible to school. Like, it's going to it's gonna be sweet. It's going to mean something. So pack your Bible in your book bag every day. Bring it to school. Well, he goes to school, and uh, it's free reading time. So he brings out his Bible, and he starts reading it. And one of the little buddies next to him was like, what you reading? Because his Bible looks like cool. He wasn't really sure it was a Bible. And he's like, it's my Bible. And he's like, oh, can I read with you? 
And he's telling me this after school, right? And I'm trying to keep my mom uh, level down just a little bit so he could finish telling me the story because I was like so hyped, y'all. I'm like, that's my baby, yeah, missionary for Jesus up in the public school. But I'm keeping myself together so he could tell me the story. And I'm like, sure, that's awesome. You read your Bible in school. I'm like, please tell me, son, you went to the good news, the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, right? Because that's what you should read with a new believer. That's why I teach people. He was like, uh, I'm like, Joshua, what do you read with them? He said, I felt like I was supposed to go to the book of Revelation. He went, Paul saw and said, I'm going to preach judgment on the things to come, right? Righteousness, self-control, and judgment. I said, there's more than one way to get a person saved, Shua. You follow the Holy Spirit. Well, obviously that must have worked because I guess the next week the little boy asked to borrow his Bible and took it home and read it, right? Listen, friends, we've got to be courageous and we've got to teach our children to be courageous. And the number one thing that stops us from being courageous is fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. How are we going to go into the darkest places of the world to preach the gospel if we're too doggone afraid? Oh, I don't know about going down to the bus stop and talking to, to Jesus. I, I don't know about, you know, going outside. Man, I, I, there, there was, back in our young adult years, I think I was in master's commission during this one, but I remember uh, hearing about how some of the young adults went down to, what was that, that crazy group? They, they like, threw pop at people and stuff. It was like a, like one of those kind of people, you know, like, yeah, headbangers. I, ICP. Insane clown. They were just crazy, right? But our Jesus freaks were even more crazy. They're like, we're going to go down there. We're going to hand out water. And they got pop thrown on them. And they're like, Jesus loves you, man. I mean, come on. Young people, this is your turn now. What are you doing crazy for Jesus? What are you doing that takes courage? Don't look around. I'm talking to you. What are you doing that takes courage? Right? You're, you got the best part of your life right now. You don't have kids. You don't have marriage. Your mom and dad still paying for most of your stuff. Man, do something for Jesus. Do something for Jesus. It's an awesome time to be courageous. Question. When's the last time you got outside the four walls of the church and you actually prayed for somebody? Can you remember? When's the last time you prayed for someone at your workplace? Oh, but we're not allowed to talk about Jesus there. Hmm. The Great Commission is not for cowards. It's for those who walk with courage. Friends, it takes courage to have faith. Too many people are trying to get saved solely with their intellect. Solely with their intellect. I'm all for apologetics. But in today's age, arguments turn people off because it's everywhere. Turn on social media, you make one comment, and someone wants to argue with you about it. I'm all for apologetics. I believe that we should have an answer for the reason we believe. We should have an answer for every person for why we believe what we believe. But we need more than apologetics to save somebody. We need more than just an argument to save to see, see people really come into the kingdom. We need courage to believe the supernatural, and we need even more courage to step out in the supernatural. Paul said, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. It takes courage to go against our culture, against popular opinion, against what others think. Let's make it our goal to please the Holy Spirit. Let's make it our goal to have courage. And finally, another way we can please the Holy Spirit 
and I kind of touched on this just a little bit, but we need to be willing to be crazy for Jesus. Yes, I put crazy. See, Paul had courage. He did what God called him to do. He stood before all the trials, the, the, the trials that God had him on. But listen, friends, he was also just a little bit crazy for Jesus. Matter of fact, Acts 26, when he's standing before King Agrippa and, and, and uh, Festus here, it says, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. If you look in the, in the Gospels, Jesus was also called crazy. So was John the Baptist. Just about anyone and any prophet that ever followed God with their full heart was called crazy. When I first got on fire, my friend says, you went overboard with this Jesus thing. They said, you went overboard. You're taking it a little bit too far. I mean, I get it. Go to church. Have your little Sundays. But does it have to be every time we see you, that's all you talk about? You're going a little overboard. I'm like, you go overboard with your sports teams and your new girlfriends, and you're telling me I'm going overboard with Jesus? Baby, I'm jumping all the way in. You ain't seen nothing yet. This is everything to me. Friends, we need some people who will go all the way, and that means be a little bit crazy for Jesus. Stop being ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of salvation for everyone who believes. Come on, friends. It needs to consume every part of our life. Of course, Paul was not really insane, but he was crazy for Jesus. He was a radical lover of God. The Holy Spirit wants us to be wild for God. When was the last time you did something outside the box? When was the last time you did something what one would even call crazy for Jesus? I'm not going to say who, but there was one leader in this church that one time went into a Satanist church and started praying in it because God called him to. There's all kinds of people that I know have done wild things from getting thrown into jail because they stood outside gay clubs and were telling people about Jesus. This, and this is before the 2000s, before it was all like politically incorrect to do something like that. They didn't care. I know people who their own families have disowned them because they gave their heart to Jesus. Come on, friends. Come on, friends. The Bible says we are to literally, literally, snatch people from the fire that's in the book of jude how can we snatch people from the fire if we're not willing to go into dark places for jesus my friend at 25 years old she's younger than me obviously started a ministry called covered in which she and others like her go into strip clubs and uh, minister to the strippers and tell them about Jesus. Oh, a Christian shouldn't go into a place like that. Man, we're so judgmental. The Bible says that the gates of hell cannot withstand against the church. That means we're to be on the offense, not just the defense, friends. I'm all for defending our faith, but listen, we need to be on the offense. We need to go and snatch others from the fire. We need to go and we need to share our light. We need to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. And that means the whole truth. Not just God loves you, but God loves you and he's holy and he loves you enough that he wants you to change and he wants you to become more like him and he's going to give you the grace, which is the empowerment to do so. You don't have to do this on your own. You don't have to get yourself cleaned up before you go to church. That's what some people think. Oh, I got to get right before I come to church. No, come to church. Let God get you right. 
friends, I want to please the Lord. Who, who wants to please the Lord? I don't, want to glee, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I want to please the Lord. So I ask you again, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would you stand to your feet with me, friends? Jesus.